Welcome back to Sermons to Myself. And uh, before we even get started this week, I want to take time out to thank the people who do listen to Sermons to Myself. Um, I don't know if it's three or four people who listen to everything all the way through or if they're just starting them or what the case may be. But there seems to be a regular unit or a regular play out of sermons to myself. And I really appreciate that because like I've said before, sermons to myself is a message that I'm asking God for that he gives to me and his instructions to me were to share them. And so that's what I'm doing. And I, I really appreciate that other people are taking the time out to listen. And I really hope that it's helping you in whatever way that you're looking for. So to continue our series on the fruits of the spirit, um, I like to start off by just reading that um, scripture from Galatians, Galatians 5, 22 through 23. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. So we have already given... A sermon to myself on love, on joy, on goodness, on gentleness or meekness. And now in our fifth one, I am going to talk on kindness. And part of that is when I was looking at different Bible stories to explain kindness, I came to the one that we're going to use today. And right off the back, I didn't quite understand it as kindness. Um, And so it's, I hate to say we're going to take the long way around, but we are going to take the long way around because that's the way it was given to me to get to kindness. But just in general, I think a lot of us know kindness as very similar to goodness, right? And so we we hear kindness and we think, oh, just be nice to people. And if you're nice to people, then you're kind. And I can't help but fall back on the fact that love has been described as so many of the other fruits of the spirits. Love is patient. Well, patience is a fruit of the spirit. Love is kind. Kind is a fruit of the spirit. Um, love does not boast, which is goodness. So it it just it for me, you can't do any of the fruits of the spirit without love, but kindness specifically stands out to me because it's for me, kindness, and from the way I've understood it, and you'll see how I get here when we get to our scripture for today, but kindness, unlike the other fruits of the spirit, kindness is always a reaction. And so now I'm going to give you the scripture that we're using today. And it's, it's from Zacchaeus, the tax collector. So we're coming out of Luke 19, one through 10. And before we even get too, too deep in. There's a few things I like to just make sure everyone is on the same page about right when we start. So in Bible times, 
tax collectors weren't what we think of now, right? So in biblical times, the tax collector wasn't just the IRS, right? Who comes and they take what they're owed, but if you give them too much, they'll give you what you overpaid back in a refund. That's not quite what a tax collector was doing in biblical times. Mostly one, because there were no checks and balances. And there's a few other things that go into what made them tax collectors in biblical times so hated, right? So the first thing was that most of the tax collectors were Jews that worked for the Romans, which made them traitors, right? Because the Roman Empire took over, the Romans took over the Jewish people and the Jewish lands and basically made them work and then pay taxes back to the Romans. So the tax collectors who were collecting this money, these taxes, were other Jewish people who were taking from the Jews and giving it to the Roman government or the Roman Empire. Even more than that, a lot of the tax collectors were corrupt. And so they would charge you more for your taxes than you actually owed to the government. And they would basically take as much as they could get with no remorse. And then they would give the government what they owed and keep the rest for themselves. That's pretty much how they made the money, right? They weren't getting paid by the government. It was just scam these people out of as much money as you can ask. And then we'll take our part and whatever's left over, you can keep and that's your pay. And so a lot of the tax collectors were not just hated, but they were cast aside as sinners. Like their job specifically was to steal, was to sin. And so they really were just not liked. And so that is what our main character of this scripture, Zacchaeus, did. So let's go to the scripture, Luke 19, 1 through 10. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All of the people saw this and began to mutter. He is gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, salvation today has come to this house because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. And before we even go too, too far into it or before we even get into it, I want to read the King James Version as well, just because I know for a lot of us, especially those of us who were raised in the church, we know this story and we've heard this story, but listening to it in the New International Version sounds a little different. So in the King James Version, Luke 19, 1 through 10, and Jesus entered and passed through Jericho and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which has, which was the chief among the publicans and he was rich. (laughs) 
And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press, because he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured that he was going to be the guest with the man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation. Come to this house, for so much as he is also the son of Abraham. For the son of man is come to seek and to save which was lost. So we've heard two versions and they say the same thing. But I like to point out a few things about Zacchaeus. First, that he was a tax collector, right? And we've already gone through that. The second is that he wasn't just a tax collector. He was a chief tax collector, and he was obviously very good at it because it says he was wealthy. And we're going to just focus on the money part for a little bit. He was so wealthy that he could give away half of his money, give away all of his, half of his wealth, not just money, half of his wealth, and still have enough to anybody he took more from. So any, like... Taxes are a thing, right? Always have been. Like, even in, in the government, like, people people get confused now because we pay taxes. And they are like, I don't know why the government is taking my money that I worked for. But there's certain things you have to pay for so that we can have certain luxuries. Teachers are paid out of your taxes. Police officers, firefighters, um, politicians, the, like, they're all paid out of tax money. So... I mean, building roads, all of these things, right? They're paid out of tax money. And so taxes are necessary. Zacchaeus' job was to get the taxes from the people because there wasn't an automated service like the IRS to collect taxes. Or, I mean, he was their version of the IRS. He was one of their version of the IRS, but there wasn't like a P.O. box you could send it to or a wire or a bank. You couldn't just deposit the money into that. Someone had to come pick it up. And so that was Zacchaeus' job, a necessary job in the community. What made him a sinner, just like what made other tax collectors a sinner, is that the way they did their job was to take as much as they could, not just what the government needed. And so part of his job was to take excess from people. And so when he says, if I have cheated anybody out of things, anything. It wasn't a if as in, I'm not sure if I have. It was a, if you are one of the people I have cheated out of something, I am going to give you back four times what I took from you. So he had so much money that he could give away half of his wealth off top and then go back and with the other half, pay four times more than what he took from people. So Zacchaeus had a lot of money. 
And it sounds like he was willing to lose it all. So that's the first thing I want to point out about Zacchaeus. The second thing is something that connects with me because if you don't know me, I'm 5'6". And I've been 5'6 for a very long time. So I understand being in a crowd and not being able to see. It's why I don't buy general admission tickets when I go to concerts. It's why if I'm sitting at a sporting event, I'd like to be in the front row, row A. Not necessarily a floor seat or anything like that, but just whatever section I'm in, I need to be in the front row of that section so that I can see. Because people say, well, there's um, ramped seating where it goes up the higher you go up. And it's like, yeah, but at 5'6", that ramp is like nine inches. So if the guy in front of me is 6'6", six, six, I still can't see. Or if they're 6'1", but have a huge afro or a lot of hair or a hop, or whatever the case may be. Seeing becomes a challenge. So I definitely understand Zacchaeus having to climb a tree to be able to see over the crowd. But I also like how in the King James Version, it says, it doesn't just say he's short. It says he's small in stature. And if you look in the dictionary, you know, I love going to the dictionary. The word stature has two definitions. The first is a person's natural height. Great. The second is the importance or reputation gained by ability or achievement. And I don't think it's a coincidence that the King James Version uses short in stature or small in stature or low in stature when describing Zacchaeus. Because, yes, it does describe his physical size. But when it says in the King James Version, you know, Luke 19 and 3, and he sought to see Jesus who he was and could not for the press because he was little of stature. I think that's important because it's not just he was short, but he also wasn't important enough to get close. And I think that's self-inflicted, but I also think it's society-inflicted, right? A lot of people in society try to decide who is good enough to get close to God, who is good enough to have a relationship with God, who is important enough and good enough and has done enough and kind enough to be in arm's reach of God. But we have not just this example, but several examples of people finding their way to God and him recognizing them outside of the people who were naturally closest to him. Right? So there's a huge crowd here and Jesus is traveling. And we do know that Jesus traveled with a traveling party. And so the people next to him are the disciples, the chief priests, the other teachers, the messengers, the preachers, and then just other people who believe his message, right? Zacchaeus is on the outside of that. But like the woman with the issue of blood, like the paralyzed man, 
They found a way to him. The one with issue of blood got close enough just to barely touch the hem of his garment. The paralyzed man had friends who carried him onto the roof and lowered him down in front of him. And Zacchaeus climbed a tree so that he could be set out. And what I recognize from that part of this scripture is that when being counted out by people doesn't mean you're counted out by God. Being counted out by people, being little of stature in the eyes of man doesn't take away the recognition that God is going to have for you. When God wants to find you, when Jesus wants to find you, when he wants to use you, it doesn't matter what other people think about you. You will be the one he uses. See, I've, I've discovered and I've learned. And one of the things God is trying to reiterate to me over and over again is that your purpose is your purpose on purpose. Your purpose is your purpose on purpose. God gave you the destiny that he gave you. He gave you the gifts that he gave you. And you don't have to go out of your way to prove people wrong. You just have to make sure you are available to be used by God. And that's one of the things Zacchaeus did. So it says people knew Jesus was coming. Obviously, there was a crowd. Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. And that's the first part in being used by God is, do you want to be used by God? God is not Satan, right? He's not going to steal. Which means he's not going to take your time. He's not going to take your energy. He's not going to take your Love. He's not going to take your compassion. He's not going to take your gifts. He's going to ask you for them. He's going to see if you knock and the door shall be open, which means you have to exert some effort. Seek and you shall find, meaning you have to exert some effort. Zacchaeus couldn't have just stood in the crowd. He couldn't have just stayed at home because, well, it looks like it's a lot of people. I guess I'll go home and I'll see him next time. He couldn't have done that because that wasn't him putting forth the effort. Again, I got to bring up the woman with the issue of the blood and the paralyzed man. Work was done so that they could be in Jesus's presence before Jesus used them. Right. The woman with the issue of blood had to fight through the crowd and get close enough to touch the hem of his garment. The paralyzed man had to have friends who cared enough about him to try to get in. They couldn't. And they didn't stop there. They climbed the roof, made a hole and let him down. Zacchaeus went to the crowd, saw it was full and then climbed a tree so that he could see. And even more than so he could see, so he could be seen. And so sometimes it's not going to take a regular effort. Sometimes you can't do what everybody else is doing if your goal is to be used by God. If the goal you have for yourself is to be used by God, sometimes you have to do more 
than what everybody else is doing. So, so yeah, all of your friends are shacking up because it's cheaper. All of your friends are having sex before marriage because they're in relationships, even though they're not committed under the eye of God. All of your friends are scamming people on Facebook and Instagram to get extra money to make ends meet or whatever because it's easy. And these people's banks will pay them back. And so it's not that big of a deal. No one really gets hurt. But if you want to be used by God, you can't do what everybody else is doing. So maybe weed is legal. But if God told you to stop, you have to stop. Maybe drinking is fun, but if God told you to stop, you have to stop. Maybe you and your man or you and your woman have been together for five, six, seven, eight years. And so having sex with them is y'all have already been doing it. It would be foolish to stop now. But if God says stop, you have to stop. Because God's instructions for you, his calling for you, his his purpose for you is bigger and may require more of you than what everyone else is giving. So Zacchaeus went to this crowd and he couldn't just settle with being a part of the crowd because he wanted to see Jesus. He had to climb a tree. And so when Jesus got to Zacchaeus, he saw Zacchaeus and in true Jesus fashion, he called Zacchaeus by name. Zacchaeus, make haste and come down. Or the New International says, come down immediately. Now, there's a few things here that that stick out to me. First is the same thing that sticks out to me every time Jesus is speaking to someone. He doesn't mince words and he he likes specificity. When he's talking to you, he will tell you he's talking to you. There is no confusion. Like God says, my followers know my voice. But Jesus said, I'm not taking no chances. I'm going to call you by if we're in a crowd of people and I need your attention, I'm going to call you. We don't know how many people had climbed trees to see Jesus. Zacchaeus could have been the only one. He he could have been one of 70 people on that sycamore tree. We have no idea. What we do know, though, is Jesus saw him. And when he saw him, he called him by name. Which brings me to a second thing, which is more of a question than it is a statement. How did Jesus know this man's name? Now, we we can ascertain a few things, right? Zacchaeus, it says, is a chief tax collector and he's wealthy. So he may just be well known. Maybe not well liked, but well known. That could be a possibility. And so maybe everyone knows his name. And it could just be... This is Jesus, like real life. It's Jesus. He knows everybody's name. I don't know. And I've 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 taken some time to like think and I, I kind of want to lean on both. Like I feel like Zacchaeus is important enough to where his name could be known, but also 
Jesus knows who to call, when to call, why to call. It's quite possible Jesus knew he was going to be staying with Zacchaeus the whole journey. And all he needed was for Zacchaeus to show up and stand out. And so when Zacchaeus did his part, Jesus was able to do his part. What was his part? Shock and awe. I'm going to go with the person who may be the most hated person in this town, in this city, in this area. I'm going to go with them and I'm going to dine with them. I'm going to stay at their house. So he said, I must stay at your house today. And here's what Zacchaeus did that a lot of us won't do. Zacchaeus came down at once and welcomed him gladly. Why does that stand out to me? Because when God calls me to do certain things, I don't know if I always move as fast as I could or as fast as I should. I want to. I feel like sometimes I do. But realistically, I feel like I ask a lot of questions. I feel like I ask a lot of questions. I feel like I get stuck behind, okay, uh, is this really you, Jesus? And now Zacchaeus had a little bit easier than me. Like, he knew who Jesus was. And this is a person in man form. So we, we see Jesus. Zacchaeus knows this is Jesus. There's no question in his mind. He knows for a fact this is Jesus. So he doesn't have to question, is this really you that's telling me you need to stay with me? Which is a question we have to have as humans now because sometimes the voices we hear aren't God and we have to discern discernment is part of our duty as a Christian to discern what God is telling us versus what the world or the Jesus uh, not Jesus the world or Satan or our friends or our family whoever is telling us so that discernment is a difficult task for us that Zacchaeus didn't have to have in the moment but even still We have to remember what Zacchaeus' mission was. He is in the tree to see Jesus. He's in the crowd to see Jesus. So when Jesus says, let me give some more time to you, let me take some more time from you, let me spend a little more time with you, that only furthers Zacchaeus' mission. So it helps that he, this is what he wanted, Right? If if Jesus came to us today, came to me today and said, Shelman, I must spend time with you today. Invite me over. I said, uh, okay, Jesus, come on over because I want to spend time with Jesus. Now, where my hesitation would come in is, is my house clean to Jesus' standards? Do I have anything that Jesus may disagree? Like, should I put all my alcohol up before Jesus get here? I'm saying, we have red meat at the house. Should I hide that? Should I throw that out before Jesus get here? Do we have enough tissue and water bottles for Jesus? What if Jesus needs to take a bath? Have Have I cleaned all the towels? Have I washed and dried all the towels? Do we have enough towels for Jesus? 
Oh, have I taken out the trash in the last few days? Is my house going to smell a little bit like trash when I walk in, when Jesus come? Those are, because I keep a pretty clean house. And so even still, though, before people come over, I say, okay, well, let me get home and straighten some stuff up before you come. I'll let you know when I'm ready. But when Jesus says, I'm coming to your house, you don't really have a chance to say, okay, but give me 15 minutes, Jesus. Let me straighten up first. And Zacchaeus didn't even worry about none of that. He came down and welcomed him. And this is the word that's super important. Gladly. So Jesus, this guy who's low in stature, little in stature, both physically and reputationally in the community has now been sought out by God because he sought out God has been sought out by Jesus because he sought out Jesus. Remember he had to seek first and once he sought, then Jesus came to him and said, okay, I'm going to spend some time with you. And the people in the crowd, what they did was they began to murder. Jesus is going to the guest to, to guest of a sinner. Jesus is going to be the guest of a sinner. He's going to go dine with a sinner. He's going to go sleep at a sinner's house. But what did this sinner do that a lot of the murmurers, a lot of the mutterers, a lot of the other crowd members who, who believe that they're righteous and holy and a part of God's flock? What would they have done had Jesus said they wanted to stay with him. Oh, well, Jesus, we don't really have the space. Oh, Jesus, what are we supposed to eat? We didn't have no extra food. Oh, Jesus, well, uh, if you can you come tomorrow instead of today? We really had plans today, and we wasn't finna go straight home after we left her. Oh, Jesus, we was going to celebrate a little bit that you came through. Can maybe we go later? Because we can't come now. A lot of people in the church don't welcome God into their lives as well as people outside of the church. And it's part of why a lot of people leave the church. And it took me, I was an adult, like not even a young adult. I was a pretty seasoned adult when another mentor of mine told me, you have to remember that the people in the church are not the church. They're just the people. And they're there for the same reason you're there to find, build, sustain, maintain, create whatever a relationship with God. You can't be focused on those people when you get there. You just have to be focused on building and maintaining and sustaining the relationship you have with God. And I understood it immediately and changed my church life immediately. But it seems like that's something that Zacchaeus already knew. And I feel like in his head, Zacchaeus didn't have to be a part of the group, a part of the crowd. To feel like I'm not here for y'all, I'm here for God, I'm here for Jesus, 
I am not here to see who else is in the crowd. I'm not climbing this tree so I can judge everybody's outfit in the crowd. I'm not climbing the tree so I can see who's a leper and who's not. I'm not climbing the tree so that I can people watch in the crowd. I'm climbing the tree so that I can get a better vantage point of Jesus. I'm trying to see Jesus. I'm here for Jesus. So every action I'm taking while I'm here is in working for me to be able to see Jesus. Is every action you're taking in your life taking you closer to Jesus? Taking you closer to God? Is every action you're taking amongst the people you're around, is it taking you closer to God? Is it helping build and sustain your relationship with God? The answer for me was no, is no. I want it to be yes. I wish it could be yes. But but there's still some things that I do that I know don't bring me closer to God. They may not take me further away from God. But they're not pulling me closer. Zacchaeus said, I'm going to see Jesus. He got there and I can see little Zacchaeus looking in the crowd and being like, oh, my God, I can't see nothing. He says, "Okay, let me figure out how to get a better vantage point. And I don't think Zacchaeus ever once thought, oh, it's just so many people. Let me get away from all these people. I'm going to climb the tree. It's I need to be able to see Jesus when he come through. And if all these people around me, I can't. I have to get higher. And so he climbs the tree and then Jesus calls him. Come on back down here, Zacchaeus. You need to come. I'm going to come stay with you. So he came down immediately because his goal was to be closer to Jesus. Once Jesus made that possible for him, he did whatever he could come down immediately, welcome him into the home Gladly. Are we gladly doing whatever we can to get closer to Jesus? When Jesus says, stop drinking, do you do it gladly? Or do you complain about the fact that you can't drink every time you go out with your friends? Do you do you boast about how. Oh, I'm not drinking because I'm getting closer to God and God told me not to drink. And so y'all that are drinking, God ain't going to accept y'all because y'all are drinking. Because Zacchaeus didn't do that. Zacchaeus didn't climb down the tree and say, oh, he picked me. He didn't pick you. He picked me. He didn't pick you. The other people, the the church people started muttering. But Zacchaeus is a sinner. Zacchaeus stole from me yesterday. See, they began to talk. Zacchaeus was solely focused on Jesus. And and what I want to even point out even more than that is that Jesus' focus was solely on Zacchaeus. When the people around started muttering, Jesus didn't reply to them. Jesus didn't say anything. In fact, After he came down and welcomed Jesus gladly, he he spent some time with Jesus. And then he said to Jesus, I'm going to give away half my possessions to the poor. 
And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay them back four times the amount. And this is where we start to get into kindness. When you're solely focused on building a relationship with God. The material things don't matter. Because part of that relationship with him is wanting others to have a relationship with him. Part of building the kingdom of God is actually building the kingdom of God, meaning being an ambassador and bringing other people in. Part of having a relationship with Jesus, part of having a relationship with God, a part of every Christian's purpose, a part of every kingdom ambassador's purpose is part of everybody who seeks a relationship with God and a closeness with God. A part of all of our purposes is to bring other people to God. That's why we have the gifts we do. That's why we have the strengths we do. That's why we have the purpose we have. The purpose isn't to serve us. The purpose is to serve others and serve God. And we serve God by serving others and bringing them closer to God. We serve others with our gift. So Zacchaeus had amassed this wealth. That was his gift. And now his purpose was to give it back to the poor. Like a lot of us don't like taxes, but we love tax refund time. But realistically, what a tax refund is, is the government took too much of your money. And now they're just giving it back. They're doing what Zacchaeus did. They took too much money and now they're just giving it back to you. We took extra money all year. I'm sure it would have been nice for you if you get an $8,000 income tax check, right? If you get an $8,000 income tax check, that means over the course of the last year, 12 months, the government took an extra $750 from you that they didn't have to take. Would it not have been nice to have that extra $750 every month? I'm sure it would have been great, right? But when you got it all at once as $8,000, that was pretty nice too, wasn't it? And so Zacchaeus has now used what he's amassed to help others. And this is why when I when I first read this story, I was like, I don't understand how any of this is kindness. Like Jesus didn't wash his feet, which he did to the disciples. Jesus didn't, you know, get his feet washed, which is what Mary Magdalene did to him. Jesus didn't turn the water to wine. He didn't feed the multitude. How is this? Zacchaeus didn't do anything. He gave back what he stole. How is that kindness? And then it clicked. Kindness is always a reaction. Because 
if it's not a reaction, if it's proactive, it's goodness. If you're just doing it, you're being good. You're doing good works. If you're just like Hedzak, giving the half away, giving half of his wealth to the poor, that's good. Follow me. Giving half of his wealth to the poor, that's good. Paying back the people, that's right. Giving them four times what you took is kindness. And I say that because it would have been okay for Zacchaeus to just say, and I'm going to pay everybody I ever stole from back. But in order for it to be kindness, it has to be generous. So I'm going to give half of my wealth to the poor. That's good. I'm not quite sure it's generous because we don't know how many poor there were and how much wealth he's giving each poor. Now, is it more than they had? Yeah, so it could be generous. But as far as giving back what I've stolen... Just giving it back is right. Giving it back in excess. Giving you four times what I took. That's kindness. And what the story of Zacchaeus and Jesus shows me more than anything else. Because we don't know what they talked about. We don't even know if they left the crowd and went to the home. We don't know how long they were there. What we do know, though, is that after a little time with Jesus. Zacchaeus wanted to give away his wealth, repay his debt to others, repay back what he stole in excess. And Jesus said that salvation had come to the house of Zacchaeus. Meaning Zacchaeus was now saved because he did two things. First, he repented. That's 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 give, that's repaying your debts, giving back what you owe. But he also was good. He started giving. But even more than that, he accepted Jesus into his life, literally. See, when we accept Jesus into our lives, when we get saved now, it's 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 called you accepting Jesus into your life as your Lord and Savior. Zacchaeus literally had to do that. Jesus called him and said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I'm coming to stay with you. I'm coming to your house. But can you save somebody who's not a sinner? Like, that's a question for all of my churchgoers, all of my Christians, all of my, you know, holier than thou righteous folks. Who are you saving if you're not dealing with sinners? See, right at the end of this in Scripture 10, Jesus says, for the son of man came to seek and save the lost. If the only people you talk to go to church, how are you seeking and saving the lost? If the people are in the church, are they lost? Are they confused? Maybe, but it's very unlikely. Do you know where lost souls hang out? Do you know where sinners hang out? Not at church. I mean, sinners do hang out at church. Let me not throw that. Let me not sweep that under the rug. Sinners do hang out at church. But. 
the ones who need to be saved, the ones who need to be brought into the kingdom, the ones who may not know God or may not trust God or may not believe in God or may not understand God, may not want any parts of God, the people that he's telling us to bring into the kingdom of God, the people we're supposed to be going out to find, the people who he would deem as truly lost, which are the people who don't know him or the people who don't believe in him. Those people aren't at church. One common denominator about all of the people in the church, they believe in God. If you're going to church regularly, if you're hanging and surrounding yourself with church people, you do believe in God. And in in a lot of cases, you've probably been saved and accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. That doesn't mean you're perfect. That doesn't mean you're living a great life. But you've probably accepted him as your Lord and Savior. But Jesus went to someone who hadn't accepted him as his Lord and Savior. Now, we do know Zacchaeus, at the very least, wanted to be saved. How do we know that? Because he he was looking for Jesus. He said, Jesus is coming through and I have to go find him. I have to be able to see him. And when Jesus asked for him, he said, "Okay, come on to my house and welcome him gladly. So we know that Zacchaeus wanted to have a relationship with Jesus. Which leads me to question if he wanted a relationship with Jesus. Why didn't he have one already? And I can't help but wonder if maybe he attempted to go to the church. He attempted to go to the priest. He attempted to talk to the people who were already following Jesus. And they turned him away because of who he was and what he did. And I only ask that because when Jesus came and called him, they started murmuring about how he was a sinner. And, oh, Jesus is going to be the guest of a sinner. Oh, no. So it made me wonder, had Zacchaeus tried to reach out? Had Zacchaeus tried to go to church? Had Zacchaeus tried to build a relationship with God through the ambassadors of the kingdom that God had, that Jesus had in that city? Because we have to remember, Jesus is just going through uh, into Jer- into Jericho. He's just passing through Jericho. Had had Zacchaeus been in Je- Jericho trying to build a relationship with Jesus through the people who in Jericho believed in Jesus already? Had Zacchaeus been trying? And if he had been trying, and it seems to me like maybe Zacchaeus had already tried because he was like, okay, this is my opportunity. Jesus is coming through today. I'm not going to let nothing or nobody stop me. I'm climbing this tree and I'm going to see Jesus today. I have to know for myself if he's real because I've been trying and everybody keeps turning me away because of my job, but I have to provide for my family. See, before you meet God, you don't know another way. And I think a lot of us Christians forget that. We forget that knowing God is what allows us to know God. Knowing God and having a relationship with God is what allows us to know another way to survive. It's what allows us to have faith that I don't have to go steal from that person because God will provide. It's what allows us to know I don't have to scam that person because God will provide. 
I don't have to lie to that person because God will provide. I don't have to cheat on that person because God will provide. I don't have to hurt that person because God will provide. But if you don't know God, you don't know that. And so instead of us spreading the news and saying, God will provide. Why are you stealing, Zacchaeus? You don't have to. God will make sure your family's all right if you put your trust in him. But you know who was able to tell Zacchaeus that? Who was able to give him that message? Jesus. And how do we know he was able to give that Jesus gave that message to Zacchaeus? Because after he communed with him for a little bit, Zacchaeus discovered, I don't need this wealth. I'm going to give half of my wealth to the poor. And then with the other half, I'm going to pay back anybody I've ever stolen from four times. The material things, the wealth is no longer necessary for me because I have a relationship with Jesus. The earthly goods, the earthly pleasures are no longer necessary for me. Are they nice? Absolutely. Is money nice? Absolutely. Do I want to be rich beyond measure? But I don't have to be because God will provide. And that's what Zacchaeus realized. I can give everything away. Because I have a relationship with Jesus. How many Christians, how many of the people in that crowd would have been able to do that? I've spent some time with God, so I don't need my earthly possessions anymore. I'm just going to give them all away. How many people in that crowd would have done that? How many people in your crowd would do that? How many people in my crowd would do that? Would I do that? Would you do that? I have a relationship with God, so I don't need any money. Any, any penny Jesus gives me, I can give it to somebody else. Anything God blesses me with, I can use it to bless somebody else. Because I know that if I become a river and not a reservoir, thank you, Pastor Michael Todd. If I become something that God can use as a vessel for blessings, I don't have to be a vase for blessings. If I can be a tunnel for blessings, I don't have to be a dead end for blessings. If God can use me to get the blessings through me to someone else, he will have no problem giving them to me. Because I can always give them to someone else. If he knows he can get it through me, he has no worries getting it to me. Jesus don't have a problem blessing folks. God don't have a problem blessing folks. He has a problem finding people to bless. Because there's so many people who pray and fast and build a relationship with God and give the right motives off. But God knows your heart. If I give it to you, you will stop coming to me and you'll never get it to the people I actually need it to go to. See, that was me with sermons to myself for so long. I'm giving you these messages, Shelman, and you're holding on to them. And yeah, you're changing your life and you're being blessed and you're feeling differences and you feel better and you're making changes and you're making positive strides. But I need you to get this message to somebody else and you're holding on to it. Eventually, I'm going to have to stop talking to you. 
I'm giving you this money so that you can buy that kid a pair of shoes. So that you can pay for that kid to even have a team to play on this summer. So that you can buy that kid lunch or buy that teacher lunch or buy that person flowers so that they can be recognized. Or take that person on vacation. I'm giving you the finances to do it. But instead, you just make your own vacation more lavish. You get more expensive food for yourself. You go shopping for yourself. That's not why I gave it to you. Do I want you to look nice? Yes. Do I want you to use the funds I have to live a pleasurable life? Absolutely, I do. But I also want to make sure that when I'm giving it to you, it gets to the people I need it to get to. When I give you instructions, are you going to come immediately and welcome me gladly? How does this wrap into kindness? We aren't listening to God if we don't feel like we are doing random acts of kindness. What does that look like practically? When someone asks you for money and you say yes, that's kindness. Whether you have it or not, does not matter. If you don't have the money, you give it anyway. That's kindness, that's generosity, and that's sacrifice. But if you have it, it may just be kindness. You may not be sacrificing anything. It may just be kind for you to give it away. When people ask you to do something, you know, can you can you come spend some time with me? Can you watch my kids? Can you pick up this for me for the, from the grocery store? Can you go out of your way and use your time to accomplish something I should be doing myself? That's kindness. When people ask you for it first, when you've noticed the need and you filled it, When you've reacted to something in a positive way, that's kindness. Right? I feel like paying for the people's food behind you, it's good. It's a good thing to do. Paying for the people's food behind you because the people in front of you paid for your food, that's kindness. I was going to spend the money anyway, but now I don't have to spend it on my own food, so I'll spend it on yours. That's kindness. Starting, what do they call it? The pay it forward. Starting that train is goodness. Being a part of that train is kindness, especially if their food was more expensive than yours. Mm. See, what Zacchaeus did, he, he, he did a few things that I think we can take Especially those of us who are still working our way back to trusting the church. And I'm one of those people. So especially us who are working our way back to trusting the church. Zacchaeus is a good role model for us because first he sought God for himself. He sought Jesus for himself. He went out of his way to find where Jesus was going to be and get there. And then not just get there, but set himself apart so that when Jesus got there, he was recognized. And it wasn't to be recognized. Notice he didn't climb the tree so Jesus could see him. He climbed the tree so that he could see Jesus. Are you are you trying to get to a higher level in your job, in your life, in whatever, are you trying to get to a higher level so that Jesus can see you? Or are you trying to get to that next level so that you can see God? Are you asking for a raise 
so that you can bless others? Or are you asking for a raise because you feel like you deserve it? Mm. Are you asking for a better position because you feel like you've worked towards it? Are you asking for a better position so that you can train others to do what you've already gotten good at? Mm. Are Jacchaeus asked to be lifted because he needed a better vantage point to accomplish his goal. Not so that he could get recognized. And we know this because as soon as God recognized him, he came down because his goal was accomplished. But that also speaks to if you're only up there to get recognized, will you be willing to come down once you get recognized? Will you be willing to lower yourself once you get recognized? You do all the climbing of the ladders. When God says, come, are you willing to come down from that high position? And then once Zacchaeus built that relationship with Jesus, he was willing to give away all of his earthly possessions to continue to follow Jesus. It's not the only one who did it. But having a relationship with God changes your heart. His heart changed. And that's why Jesus said salvation had come to his house. Mm-hmm.